It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. And Brian walked in the studio today and he's like, man, I forgot it was Friday. I'm like, that's a good week. When when you come in and you're like, man, it's Friday already? Oh, no, I got so much I'm doing. It's It's fun. It's great. I'm not burnt out at the end of the week. Well, that's a good spot to be in. Hopefully you're feeling that way too. I know there's been a lot of action happening out in fields in some areas and others. It's going frustratingly slow. So we'd love to hear today if there's any agronomic questions we can help you with. Uh, please give us a call. Or if you just want to update us on how things are going in your area, that's fine too. Again, you can email us radio at agphd.com or give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. Yeah, the big thing at this time of year, if you do have your crop planted, is to be scouting on a regular basis. So on, on our own farm, for example, alfalfa, got to be checking for bugs. Haven't seen much yet on our farm, but we were hoping if we had bugs to get it sprayed before first cutting, but first cutting now may come next week or maybe the start of the following week. It's been a cool spring, so we'll see what ends up happening. But anyway, be scouting for, for insects and weeds in your alfalfa. In corn, we, uh, we're just, Darren and I are just looking at some corn plants that were V1, uh, pre- pretty small on our farm, but it is an important time to be looking to make sure, hey, did we get a good stand? Is there a problem out there? Do we have some insect issues like cutworms or something else that we need to take care of right now? And then, of course, weeds. How are we doing on the weed control side? Did our pre-work Do we have to spray our post now, or can we wait just a little bit longer? Like in soybeans, too, we've got conventional soybeans this year on our farm. All right, well, with conventional soybeans, you cannot be late. You have to spray on time or you're in big-time trouble. Uh, So, anyway, we've got the three pre's down. Our fields do look pretty clean, other than there's just a smattering of volunteer rye that went out there because we had some some oats planted as a cover crop, had a little rye in it. I'm sad that it did, but it did. No big deal. Just a few plants here and there. But otherwise, I mean, our fields are pretty clean, but we're going to be spraying either Anthem Max or Warrant Ultra here sometime, probably in the next couple of weeks. We're just waiting for emergence of weeds. Well, the number one weed problem on our farm is either kochia or water hemp. Now, hopefully with the kochia, we've pretty well taken care of that with the three pre's. But either way, uh, we want to be spraying when the kochia and water hemp is maybe an inch or two tall. Okay, you don't have a lot of days there is what I'm trying to say. You got to be scouting on a regular basis because if you say, ah, I'm in good shape, I'll come back the first of June. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we'll be fine. But I'd prefer to be scouting on a little more regular basis as we get here in season. All right, if you've got any questions for us, you can certainly send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We've gotten a bunch of those that have come in already today, so let's hit the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, this one comes from Bob. He is down in the state of Iowa, and he said, I'm walking my fields and noticing an extensive emergence of little water hemp. I did use the three pre's. I used Prowl H2O, Authority, and Metribuzin. The pre went down April 25th. The beans were no-tilled in April 29th. We haven't been overly wet here, but we did get two and a half inches of rain about six days ago. My question is, will the herbicide yet kill these weeds? Did the rain push the herbicide too far down in the soil? 
do the roots of the weeds have to get down to the herbicide now or have I just lost my battle and the herbicides run out of gas already? Just curious what you guys think. Okay. So first of all, your herbicide is absolutely not run out of gas. Even Metribuzin, two and a half inches of rain in medium to heavy soil is for sure not enough to push that away. Now, if you had 10 inches of rain, yeah, Metribuzin is somewhat leachable, kind of like atrazine. So you might have pushed it down, but no, there's no chance. And the the prowl and the authority, I mean, I don't care if you had even 10 inches of rain, you still weren't going to lose those. So it's definitely not that. Uh, let's talk about two things. Number one, did we get enough rain? Did we have enough moisture there to activate it in the first place? So he said no-till, and that's the key thing here. We talk about this on a regular basis. We prefer to see the pre-emerge herbicides in no-till sprayed as early as possible. Now, granted, it depends on where you're at and, and what the heat is and everything. So here's where I'm going with this. If you put your no-till herbicide out three weeks in advance here where we farm and we're going to plant in late April, um, there are no weeds anyway. There's nothing that's going to use that herbicide up. If you do that in Alabama, um, you're, you're going to use up some of your herbicide most likely prior to weed emergence. So anyway, yeah, we like to see it out there pretty early because it's going to take more rain to activate your herbicide in no-till than it is in conventional till when you've lightly tilled that herbicide in because you've already, with, with light tillage, placed the herbicide where you want it. So anyway, here's my assumption as to what happened. You didn't get enough rain soon enough to impact these weeds. You're, you're getting great control right now on anything that is trying to germinate today um, or has here in the last five days since you had rain six days ago. But this stuff, my guess is it was already germinated and it was already starting to push uh, out of the ground by the time that rain hit. So sometimes with a big enough rain, we can get reach back with especially authority and metribuzin, even a little bit with the prowl. So the odds are, I know the, this, this water hemp looks fairly healthy here, but the odds are when those roots do hit your herbicide, um, they are going to get weakened. But I guess where I'm where I'm going with this whole thing is you now with that two and a half inch rain have had enough rainfall to activate that herbicide. You should be able to prevent most all weeds from coming here for quite a while now for the next month or so. But these got ahead of your herbicide, so you might have to spray your post sooner rather than later. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. We deal with that quite often here where we have really dry country. And uh, the, the herbicide residual is going to work. It's just sometimes it doesn't work as quickly as we want. And we get great residual in June and July. <laughs> and unfortunately, not enough uh, good residual weed control in May. So that's my assumption as to what's going on. I just go spray uh, fairly soon, but see what things look like. You might have gotten some reach back. You'll know better here in another week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. This is Mike. Hey. 
He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always send us an email, radio at agphd.com. This time of year we get lots of pictures and they are often quite helpful when we're looking at situations that are happening out in the field like the last question we had with some small water hemp getting started down in Iowa. Uh, speak of Iowa, got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with Farm Shop MFG and also a farmer trying to get stuff done. Uh, how are you doing, Tony? Did you get it all on the ground? What's it looking like? Hey, interesting uh, interesting question. Two weeks ago, uh, I was planting soybeans two inches deep to get them into moisture. At, at an inch and a quarter, inch and a half, I had seeds in dry. Uh, this past week, I called the insurance adjuster to file for replant insurance on one farm for drowned out. Oh, wow. What a year. That's what I'm thinking. What a year. I'm oh, thinking, wow. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I'm, I'm thinking about dry stuff, and then this past week, I'm, okay, yeah, that's enough to, to uh, meet the criteria to have insurance pay for replacement seed. Yeah, so, it's been something. I had uh, actually had one of our listeners sent in uh, an email and said the winter that you guys talked about coming through this year reminded him of one of the winters that Laura Ingalls Wilder had talked about uh, back in those books. And I'm like, yeah, it probably was one of those for the ages, no doubt about it. And here you go. We had all that snow. And some areas bone dry, some areas flood now. We got all kinds of craziness going on. How about in the grain bins, Tony? Yeah. I love asking you about this because I know as everybody gets busy out in the field, sometimes it gets forgotten about that, oh, yeah, we've got thousands and thousands of dollars sitting in the grain bin that nobody's checked on recently. Uh, please give us good news that the corn is in great condition, soybeans are in great condition if they're still in the bin. Hey, here is a when you go out in a calm, uh, humid morning on my farm, it has the smell of fresh, wet corn because we're still drying last year's crop. 
the uh, with the auto control. It's shutting off when the afternoons the air gets too dry. It shuts off to prevent overdrying the bottom, and uh, then also when it gets too wet, gets too uh, humid, and it's you're just wasting electricity. It shuts off there, but the fans are going on and off. The uh, bins are drying. I just looked at them here uh, uh, 45 minutes ago, and the uh, the tops we've lost uh, about oh a good point of moisture. Uh, the equilibrium humidity went from 94 down to 90. And uh, while I was about uh, 15 minutes ago, I had a call from a farmer in Nebraska. He's doing the exact same thing I am, and he was asking about things. And we're talking about settings coming into the heat next week. On uh, We've got it with corn. Uh, as it gets uh, hotter, we want to ventilate with, we want to put our bottom end up a little higher because it will uh, overventilate the bottom and dry it as well as we want to watch the top if we increase that green temperature we want to keep an eye on it but uh, the monitors let you know what's going on in the bin and I can tell you the layers of my bins uh, where they're at and I can see they're moving and uh, I've talked with farmers here in the last few months as they're planting they're thinking about other issues that have had damage and they're wanting to put monitors in uh, or uh, just thinking they're going to be storing more with prices and uh, moving in that direction. So been a lot of conversations on that front. And if, uh, if you got the tools, it makes your job easier. Yeah, That's the big thing. No it's, doubt about it's that. tools. You know, and we get a lot of questions, Tony, during the week. Guys will say, okay, tell, tell me more about that discussion and help me out here with my bin situation. Uh, this is why we love having Tony on the show. You don't just have to wait until the next time Tony's on the show, though. You can visit farmshopmfg.com. Tony's contact info, info is right there. And just like he was just telling a story visiting with a, a farmer today, uh, he'd be more than happy to visit with you, too, and help you get this going on your farm. It's been so valuable for us having those bin fan controls, especially, like you say, Tony, as it's going to warm up. Uh, things can go bad in a hurry, so you got to stay ahead of it. Hey, Tony, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. Uh, I don't like hearing about replants on your farm, but hopefully that all goes good, too. I appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. Good talking to you. You bet. Let's head over to Northwest Indiana. Got John on with us right now. How you doing, John? Hey, I'm hanging in there, just sitting here relaxing, uh, recovering from uh, some minor surgery yesterday. That's all. Yeah, well, uh, prayers for uh, a quick and speedy recovery for you. It's it's uh, good to good to be able to relax a little bit, and not force yourself into into work and and stressing those things that that just got fixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did I did go and move a tractor this morning, which. I'm not supposed to, but I went and did it anyway because I needed help getting things moved around. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. I know how that goes. Okay, tell us about your crop. Is everything in the ground? Uh, how's the spraying coming? Where, where are you at? Well, today uh, the sun was just finishing up all the spraying, and uh, the corn and beans are all in. And next week we're putting the Milo in, then he's going to spray that. Uh, had the hired hand take. Last load of beans in today down to Lafayette, and then he's starting to get everything ready on the side dresser and getting the tanker home so that we can start loading up that and uh, start side dressing here in another part of about ten days. Wow, it just it just keeps going. It's it's crazy how fast things go. Glad to hear you got some help around there too. That's that's a big deal. Uh, if you can can have a little help around now, you don't feel so bad. You should be able to sit back and relax just a little bit, John. 
Yeah, well, well, I, I basically now I'm almost the, they call me uh, either lunchtime or part-time or stuff, depending on if I'm in Florida or if I'm at home or going out to see grandkids in Denver. So they give me the hard time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good position in life to be in. You, you've earned it for sure by, by now. You know, you think about it, you, you got, uh, got other people taking over, you know, some of these key jobs on the farm. How did you do that transition? Was that tough for you to give up some of those jobs or, or was that something where, you know what, I got someone here with my son or, or even my hired man that are capable and, and just hungry for, for doing more. No, we started this transition. I want to say probably in 06, uh, when my, when my son said, he was interested in coming back home from the mountains of Colorado at the ski resort town as master mechanic to come and work on the farm. And, uh, so we started that whole transition. And then for the last five years, he's really pushed hard at, I'm, he makes all the decisions and I'm the advisor. Awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Good for you. Uh, you know, and, and when you're 73, you enjoy, getting out of the cold for the winter and doing different things and, you know, and, and not have the responsibility of all the decisions. Yeah. And it's, it's really good when I know for, for Brian and me too, when, when dad kind of took a big step back, it was great that we still had him around to be able to ask questions of when, when they came up because farming uh, it's a little different every year and it's kind of nice to have all that experience there to draw from. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's where I find my role anymore is kind of being the gopher, although I did plant 400 acres of beans, and then I told the hired hand, I says, hey, Dave, it's your turn to take over and, and start planting these beans. <laughs> I'll just go, I'll be the gopher. <laughs> you bet. Well, John, uh, glad to hear from you today. Good luck on your recovery. Hopefully that goes really well for you. Enjoy those grandkids, and, and we'll talk again down the road. Okay, well, you take care, and you have a great weekend. You bet. You too. Yeah, it's so fun to hear uh, when when uh, you get a great situation like that and, and other people on the farm stepping up to take things over. Hey, I had a few comments that came in. This is from Scott, and he said, a couple things here for you guys. First of all, would love to see a consortium of businesses work together on a climate prediction service. Maybe we'd even call it Climate PhD. And then, I'll, then they could turn off all the biases that it seems like every one of the services has out there. I, I agree with you, Scott. I wish that somebody could be super accurate on that because it seems like there's always, well, hey, it's going to be a warm summer, and then it just doesn't turn out that way. My, uh, my, oh, his last, yeah. oh, go ahead. His last comment here on that part was, he said, I applaud you guys for talking about early corns. Uh, they're doing well, and I think we might, might have more of those early corns if we have uh, a cool year. Well, thanks, Scott. All right. Once again, it is Farmer Friday here. If you'd like to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen. Even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y-Drop. With 360 Y-Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Mike on with us right now. How's it going, Mike? Doing good, Darren. How are you? Good, good. Uh, what's the moisture situation like there? Well, I'm sitting here watching a light rainfall again, so we're kind of at a standstill for a while, it looks like. I wish we'd have one of those, Mike. We could we could take that rain over here, but it'll come. It'll come eventually, and, and of course, the sun will come out. I think we're supposed to have a warm-up here over the next few days. I would assume you guys are going to get that, too. Yeah, it's supposed to be in the 70s and 80s, I think, next week. So I've got some post-spraying on some corn to do, and I was wanting to get started side dressing. So uh, just a little damp for that. Let me ask you about the side dressing. How do you guys do it, and what do you kind of target as a size of the corn when you when you go out and make that application? Well, I like to get started fairly soon because I don't want to get caught when it gets too big and it rains and keeps you out. So about V3 or 4, I'd like to get started on it. Uh, use some 28 and a little sulfur in with my 28, and 
I just use an injector, colder injector, and put it right between the rows. Sure, sure. How long have you been doing the sulfur with it? Oh, shoot, probably long as I can remember. Awesome. Uh, forever, awesome. basically. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of yeah. guys just kind of catching on to that here the last few years, and so we get a lot of questions around that. And I I was just wondering if you'd been on that train for a long, long time. Uh, okay, so you got the side dressing to do, and you got some post-emerge spraying to do in corn. Uh, if if it wasn't raining today, which one of those would you be doing? Uh, probably be doing the spraying. Yeah. Is it broadleafs now mostly weeks. that are coming? Yeah, got a little water, a lot of water hemp out there, about two inches tall. So it's uh, needs to get needs sprayed right now. So yep, see it get out of hand. What do you? What is working? I guess I know we've got some Roundup resistance out there, but what is still working on water hemp? Is pretty much everything other than Roundup working, or are there other things that you say it doesn't do the job anymore? Yeah, I, I haven't noticed anything, but but Roundup, you know, is having problems with it. Everything else seems like we anything else we come up with chemistry has worked okay on it. So, so as far as that goes, you know, we don't really have any other problem with it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those interesting weeds. I know, depending on where we're at in the country, some will say, "Well, this chemistry or that chemistry isn't working as good," and uh, we're we're just always trying to use at least two different ones. That way, if one of them's going to fail, at least we got the other one to go on. Because, like you say, two inch water hemp today. Well, that can be four-inch water hemp in just a couple of days. It doesn't take long. Pretty fast, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take long. The sun come out and dry up a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to grow. You bet. Well, Mike, uh, glad to hear the crop is up and, and doing pretty good. And, and honestly, when you get corn that's already already popping up, getting a little rain, eh, we'll take it even though you can't work it. So I'm happy uh, Happy things are going well. Good luck to you here as, as you get that post-spraying going and, and pretty soon the side dress too. Yep, sounds good, and you you have a good one, too. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Let's head up to Michigan, get John up there right now. How you doing, John? Good. How are you today? Good, good. You guys catching that rain, too, or, or are you getting some sunshine today? Well, we had some sprinkles uh, here about 15 minutes ago, and we got half an inch predicted for later on today. So for me personally, I'll take it. We finished about an hour ago, and uh, uh, we've had a really good stretch here in the last week and a half, but... There's a lot of dust in our neighborhood now, so uh, a, a little shower would really be just the ticket, I think. Yeah, it'd be perfect, especially going into the weekend too, John. Then you won't have a problem yeah. if you get to take a little time off and recover. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we always used yep. to pray for rain on Saturdays, I will tell you, John, when we were growing up. So, well, even now. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, hey, I heard you were doing a fungicide trial with uh, for white mold in beans. Tell us about that real quick. Well, uh, I guess that was part of my question for you. So, uh, MSU Extension asked us to do uh, uh, be part of their uh, their trial. We're going to, I think we're using Delaro. Um so the last two years, we've had really dry June, you know, when those beans were flowering and white mold has been non-existent. But in the past, I've seen it where it's the exact opposite, and it's just devastating. So for you guys, what's your program on that? Are you just uh, automatic? You're putting something down? Are you watching the weather patterns where the beans are at at flowering? Or, or, or what, what do you guys do? Sure. Uh, oh, and by the way, just for our audience's sake, uh, you said MSU extensions, so I'm assuming you're talking Michigan State University, right? 
Correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. So what what we do, we talk often at our uh, at our workshops and clinics about there are about ten steps that you could potentially take to reduce white mold, and uh, and by beans we're talking soybeans here, not dry beans. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. with soybeans, we've got a couple other options like Cobra, for example, and uh, so and Domark. So anyway, what what we will typically do is we prefer to plant wider rows, a little lower population. Uh, we make sure that we have good manganese levels in the soil because, as we have now learned, manganese has some kind of impact on sclerotinia white mold, so we're always checking that in the soil tests. If we've got a really bad area, we'll use some contans in the fall. So that's a biological that eats the fungus, uh, eats the sclerotia. And, uh, I, I mean, we can do it in the spring, too, but a lot of times we'll do that in the fall right after we've harvested soybeans and we see, oh, we got a bad spot of white mold, we'll go hit that with contans right there. But here's kind of what we do in terms of this whole fungicide thing, because I think that's that's really where your question is. We only spot spray. So we look back at our historical maps to where have we had white mold in the past, and it's about 10 to 20 percent of our acres, that's it. Uh, a bunch of the other ground, it literally never gets white mold. The hills, we never have white mold there. So if you're in this situation where, boy, I got whole fields with white mold, okay, a little bit different. But what we do is we go out and spray cobra right before flowering. So we're talking mid-June, 20th of June, something like that, and we go hit those spots. We go back to those same spots a couple weeks later with Endura, and again, uh, we're only hitting maybe 10 to 20% of our acres. We spot spray, we do a, a variable rate map where basically it's on or off for the sprayer, and we go hit those spots. Endura is like $40 an acre, but it is the best thing. And then we'll come later with a combination of Topson and Domark. So you get two modes of action. Even if we go full rate of both, we're only spending about 13 bucks an acre there. And then if the weather is terrible or great, however you want to look at it, for white mold, uh, then we'll even do a third shot in those areas. But in a lot of cases, what we'll do is just we'll do one thing like a Delaro, like you mentioned, or uh, Preaxor or something else where we're spraying literally every single acre. So we say, well, it's not the best. Like Delaro, it's not I mean, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good on white mold, but it's not like quite as good as Endura. But we don't care. We say, hey, this is a pretty broad spectrum thing. We're not going to spend an arm and a leg, and we're going to spray all our acres of beans. We do want to spray all of our acres of beans every year with a fungicide anyway. So we like to have something that's got a little bit of activity in white mold. So now all those spots got Cobra, they got Endura, they got Topson and, and Domark, Plus then the whole farm got whatever, Preax or Delaro, one of those other ones. So the spots had four treatments. If we do that, we have almost no white mold. And I know you you, you and our listeners are probably going, oh my gosh, that seems like overkill. But we have lost 90 bushels to the acre to white mold. And I've had it. We're not losing 90 bushels again. And so this is kind of what we do. Okay. All right. Yeah. When, when we get it, it can be brutal. Sometimes, oh, you know. terrible. You, you, you touched on, on roll wit. So, uh, like, I've been bouncing around uh, thinking about trading planters and stuff. I, I, I'm at 15s right now. Yep. I'd really like to be 20s, maybe 22s. We're 30 inch on the corn. So, where does where does the, what's the magic number where you're getting enough air down those rows that 
the, the wider role helps. Is it 20? Do you got to go to 30? Uh Okay, Uh, I'll just say we've done wider rows, we've done uh, lower populations. Both of those things are slight helpers. They they do not solve the problem. We've gone 30 inch rows planting 100,000 population and we still have a disaster for white mold every once in a while. So uh, I'll tell you what, if you can hang on, John, through the break, we'll talk about that just a little bit more when we come right back. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. It's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, 
We're talking with John from Michigan about sclerotinia white mold and just that he was going to do some trial work with Michigan State University Extension. And so so he asked me uh, uh, how long or uh, basically which row spacing is the best, what's the magic number, and that's kind of where we left things right before the break. So anyway, uh, John, I would just say my answer is you can you can do okay even in 15 intros. Our preference would be 30 intros if you say, look, I usually have a big problem with sclerotinia white mold. But let's put it this way. Like on our farm now, we've got this huge dairy next to us, and we've been switching a lot of our acres. We used to be 50-50, corn and beans, roughly. And now we're going to be probably... 80% corn and 20% beans. So if I have a field of beans where it's going to be corn for two years or three years prior to that, my sclerotinia white mold risk goes way down. So now all of a sudden I'm not as concerned about row spacing, not as big a deal. Uh, so anyway, it, it just all depends on your situation and, and what you're after. And the one thing that I forgot to mention uh, before our last break too was the seed variety you pick it makes such an enormous difference. We're looking for things that have good stand, maybe a little shorter bean, and it's something that's got better natural tolerance to white mold. If it's something that's super susceptible and it gets real tall and bushy and sometimes falls over, that's not that's not what we're after. So we have found that the variety choice makes even more difference than the row spacing or the population. But yes, if you go wider, it will help a little bit. But to think that, oh, I'm going to switch from 15s and I'm going to go to 20 or 22s, is it going to make that much difference in the white mold thing? No. I would say you're going to have to go to 30s, and that'll be a little more improvement, but it's still not going to be perfect. So that would be my answer for you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks very much. You bet. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, John. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. Got Pat on with us right now up in Wisconsin. How you doing, Pat? Hey, I'm doing pretty good today. So what are you guys working on on the farm today? Well, uh, we're just relaxing. <laughs> we punched all these corn and beans in late April here and looking out in a field right now, the emergence. i never seen corn look like this. This early looked that good. Um, everything went good. It got the heat and the rain at the right time and, uh, never had any problems with crusting or anything. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Like you say, all that hard work and then you just kind of sit back and hope everything turns out. Okay. Well, I'm so glad to hear that it is. I know we've been out doing a little digging in our fields and you can't believe it for these little corn plants, what kind of root system they got underneath them already. It's really impressive. Yeah, we got planting about April 16th around here, and we punched about a 1,000 acres in in a few days. And then, you know, talk of the town where we were too early, everybody got nervous, so we quit for about five, six days. But then right after that, the weather come back, and we went right at it and got it all done, we did. Outstanding. Outstanding. So let me ask you this question. Are you in a spot where you guys utilize manure, and if so, do you do any of that in the spring? Well, we're in cattle country here, a lot of big dairies. Uh, and But the problem is, you know what it is, uh, a compaction. You know, yep. you got to yep. try to get it all done in the fall of the year if you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, we tried to, too. We did take a little bit of spring manure, and we lucked out. We were so dry that I don't think we created any issues out there, but there aren't many years like that. More times than not, we end up with with the problem if we do that. Uh, Okay, question for you then. This corn that's in, how much of that goes for silage if you got dairies right around you? Well, we were in the dairy world ourselves, but there's life after dairy cows. We're in the beef world now. We'll put in about 2,400 acres of corn, but we're only going to chop about probably, I don't know, 100 acres of corn silage we will. Oh, okay. Okay, so you got to do all that hard work of harvesting the grain, hauling it to bins or hauling it to elevators. That's probably different if you've been in the dairy world and just got to feed it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, 25 years ago, we uh, everything we had, we would feed through the cattle, but as we've gotten older, things have changed, it has. Yeah, I know. I get it. There's there's a ton of daily work in that job and hard work too. So, uh, congratulations to you for a life after the dairy. That's that's a good thing. Uh, so, yeah. what's what's next uh, when when this crop's coming up? Is it putting on some side dress? Is it spraying for weeds? What do you do next? Yeah, actually, I mean, all the first pass spraying everything. We're done. We're all caught up and. Uh, you know, we're just waiting for it to uh, decide, you know, we'll we'll go in and put some fertilizer on top of it when the timing's coming here. So Outstanding. Well, Pat, good luck to you. Hopefully the ideal combination of heat and moisture keeps coming for you guys and, and you make your best crop ever. Yep, that sounds great. All right, we'll see you, Pat. Yeah, it's fun when, when everything looks awesome and uh you know that something is probably coming down the road but man if you get off to a great start like this you're just in such a better spot to be able to handle those things uh we got an email that came in and i forwarded you just a a summary brian yeah i pulled it up Uh, so this one came in from david and he said hey guys uh, we're down here in louisiana pretty happy with the tissue samples we got back just want to share them with you guys and, and tell you thanks for all the info yeah, I was just in Louisiana earlier this week, and he's talking about, let's see, the corn here in these tests is V6 up to V9. So at this point, it looks like most of his stuff is sufficient, most everything's sufficient, and the potassium even in a few tests is a little high. Here's what we've learned over the years with tissue testing in corn. A lot of times, things can look great at this stage. So that V6, V9, that's where a lot of people start testing and they go, oh, I'm good. You know what? We're we're fine. We're going to have a great crop this year. But here's what happens. We want you to keep testing because it's typically that, that that growth range between knee high and shoulder high. And your corn just takes off and it needs a ridiculous amount of nutrients. Now, you're lucky in Louisiana because you get a lot more rain than what we do here in South Dakota. Very often in that whole time, knee high to shoulder high, which is a couple of weeks, um, we get no rain. And I'd say more often than not, it seems like. So not only does the plant need a lot of nutrients, but it doesn't have a lot of moisture to get the nutrients in because that's how nutrients get into the plant. So I'm just saying here, hopefully things work out for you, but I would keep monitoring it. And the biggest thing too that we've learned from tissue testing over the years is it's more about changing next year than it is about fixing this year. By the time your tissue test shows you you're short on something, you've already lost a bunch of yield. But moving forward, you can say, okay, this is what happened to me last year, so let's start making adjustments. For example, on our farm, that potassium thing, 
we we were low to deficient almost right off the bat some years. And it's like, well, maybe it'll catch up or maybe it'll hit some potassium in the soil or whatever. No, no, no. Uh, you need a ridiculous amount of potassium. Your corn crop actually needs more K than it does nitrogen. A lot of people don't realize that. So you got to have almost extreme levels of potassium early in order to make sure you have good levels when your crop is at that rapid growth stage. So anyway, just some of the things that we've learned over the years. Yes, it's great. Everything looks good so far, and I'm glad that you're doing some testing, but keep it up. Brian had uh, a couple of questions from uh, from Nick and also from Scott up in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, Scott made the comment, hey, in Idaho, there's a tremendous increase in demand for electricity. In fact, they have, there is everywhere. They bought back some of the power and a certain percentage of farmers switched over to, to pumping their wells with diesel. And he said, actually, this kind of created an issue just trying to get the worm drives to pump out of a well with the diesel motor. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then Nick up in Washington said, uh, grain elevators require specialized electrical equipment that's explosion-proof. Well, Washington State announced they want to ban all diesel trucks by the middle of next decade. This has me concerned. There aren't any electric trucks currently on the market I'm aware of that are rated as explosion-proof in these dusty environments. So just some crazy stuff going on here with the demand for electricity. Yeah, there are a lot of people that have these great dreams, and I'm glad people have dreams. But, I mean, it takes a long time to make the massive changes that they're looking to make there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day Thursday, July 27th. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. 
with three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab. It's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls and questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got an email that came in from Andrew, uh, and he's up in New York. And he said, we've been doing a lot of research on balancing Pretty confident soil. in that one there, Darren. <laughs> well, it was not abbreviated the way that New York is normally abbreviated, Andrew. But uh, anyway, he said, uh, we've done a lot of research balancing on balancing soil fertility, and we get questions on elemental sulfur. Yep. Uh, we, we understand it can leach out excess cations as long as the field is well-drained or tiled. And I'd say that that is correct. Well, sulfate can. Yep, yep. go ahead. My question is, will the sulfur in gypsum or other sulfate sources like zinc sulfate work the same way and leach out yes. excess magnesium? Yes. And if I use sulfate fertilizers to balance the micros, uh, like zinc sulfate or copper sulfate, will it raise my sulfur levels too high no. and hurt my yield? No. And the reason why is because copper sulfate and zinc sulfate, you're not going to put much on. What are you going to put on? Five pounds, 30 pounds? I mean, it, it's nothing. It's nothing. So the only way that you're going to be able to flush out lots of excess cations, I, I mean, take magnesium, for example. A lot of times we'll see 500 parts per million out there. That's 1,000 pounds per acre. What's it going to take to flush those out? I, I, I mean, it's going to take a lot. So... I'm trying to think of Neil Kinsey and his standard rule, three pounds of sulfur for one pound of magnesium, if I remember right off the top of my head. So, I mean, if you wanted to get rid of half your magnesium, are you really going to put out 1,500 pounds of sulfur? I don't think so. So anyway, so no, I, I wouldn't get that worried about that, that just normal fertilization is going to mean you're going to really mess things up in your soil. But if you want to leach something out like excess magnesium, first you have to have great drainage. If you don't have great drainage, then forget about it. But if you do have great drainage, then yes, by using some gypsum or some type of sulfur at a high rate, you can start to flush that magnesium out slowly over time. All right. Thanks for the question, Andrew, and, and really appreciate uh, the comments there about balancing fertility and, and what you're shooting for. Good luck to you. Uh, okay, got this one in from Christian who said, I've been using Roundup, Atrazine, and Callisto on my corn for post-emerge spraying. However, I don't feel like the Callisto is doing a great job on the water hemp anymore. Now, you mentioned the product Tough uh, at one of your workshops last year that I went to, and I'm just wondering, can you tell me a little bit about Tough? Also, 
Would swapping the Callisto out for a different HPPD like Lotus or Impact make any difference? I know there's some no. difference between those products, but just but, curious. Okay. So in terms of the switching out, let's talk about that real quick. You can't or you shouldn't increase that Callisto rate because we do get worried about crop injury and especially about carryover. But with impact, you actually can go higher. Three quarters of an ounce of impact would be fairly equivalent to three ounces of Callisto. You can go to an ounce of impact, and I'm not worried about crop injury, nor am I worried about the carryover from that. So that would be an option. If you say, boy, my rate probably isn't quite enough, but I don't want to bump that Callisto rate because I'm worried about carryover or crop injury, then switch to impact and go a higher rate. Okay. Otherwise, could you use tough, and would that help? Sure it would. Tough is fairly similar to buckteral, only it's going to be a little bit better on some weeds, like water hemp. So could you add some tough to your Roundup Atrazine Callisto mix? Absolutely. Could you add dicamba? Yes. Keep in mind with the, any dicamba, you got to be con more concerned about drift and volatility, but you could, you could go dicamba in there too. Uh, what some people will do is they'll just drop the Callisto and they might even drop the Atrazine and they just say, you know what, I'm going Roundup, I'm going status. I'm going to spend the money, but everything will be dead. So it, the reason why a lot of people don't do that is status costs $20. Callisto costs 3 so or ballpark. So I, 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 I guess you got plenty of choices, and I'm with you. I don't think the HPPDs are working as well on water hemp anymore either, which is why we like having a good pre-out, and then we're, we're still using some of it. We're still using some Callisto post, and I'm hoping it'll be enough because we got a pre-out there. If it's not, Worst case scenario, we got other plenty of other options. Okay, um, thanks for the question. Next one comes from Jason. He said he's in East Central Iowa, and they are doing some relay cropping this year. So they planted cereal rye in the end of October. It's about two feet tall now. They have planted enlist soybeans into the into the rye, and they'd like the rye to keep growing. the The soybeans have emerged and look good. However, they've got some spots that the rye stand wasn't great, and now there's water hemp breaking through there. So the question is, can they spray Enlist 1 right now to control the water hemp without hurting the rye? Is, is Enlist 1 going to hurt the rye? Okay, so first of all, I am 99% sure that technically it is not labeled for the crop rye. But if you said, well, I have rye as a weed out in my field, is the 2,4-D going to kill it? No. Uh, here, here's my question, though. What I don't, I don't understand quite what we're trying to do here, because if you let that rye go, um, you're not going to have any beans. So I, I don't, I, I mean, maybe you're able to sell your rye for a bunch of money or it's worth a whole bunch to you, but I, I, I'm just, I, I'm really questioning that. So I, I don't have the details. It's hard for me to say. I can tell you this. If we tried that here where we farm in our dry conditions, we normally get 70 bushel soybeans. I would expect 40 already. And if I don't kill that rye pretty quick, I'd expect 20. So, I, I mean, granted, you get a lot more rainfall normally than what we do. So you can get by with it a little bit better. But already by having that rye out there, your yield potential on soybeans is not as high. So that's why I'm curious. You got to, you definitely have to get some decent income off this rye. And I don't know how long you're planning to leave it out there, but if it's me and I'm concerned about my soybeans, um, I would want to kill it off. So I, I'd, I, I'd cut it right now, take it for forage and 
then I'd, I'd kill everything remaining and I'd just have a clean stand of soybeans. But I, I, like I say, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. If you got more questions about that or you want to give us more details, that'd be great. Thanks for that question, Jason. Got this one in from Ben, and he said, guys, uh, I'm wondering about burn down before planting pearl millet. Now, I was going to put my ground into soybeans, but with this drought situation, we're changing plans. We're going to put millet in instead. The problem is the field has weeds that are starting to come up, and I'm not sure that I could really rely on tillage to, to take them out. Plus, you do a whole bunch of tillage in a drought situation. That's not good either. So what do you think about herbicides that I could spray before planting millet? Um, okay, Ben, so here's one thing you, you are probably thinking about. What can I spray that won't have any soil residual? There are a lot of things you could spray. Roundup would be one of them that you could spray before planting really anything. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of soil activity to worry about there. But I'm guessing, since you aren't just taking the easy button and saying, well, I'll just spray Roundup, uh, you must have some Roundup-resistant weeds. Maybe it's kochia, maybe it's some kind of pigweed, that type of thing. So you're probably looking at what else could I mix in there, or is there an alternative that I could do? I mean, you could do Gramoxone. You certainly could do some AIM uh, as a tank mix partner with anything there, and none of those products have got residual. Once you start mixing in dicambas, 2,4-Ds, those types of things, now you're going to have a window where you can't plant, and you have to wait to plant your millet, or you're going to ding that millet up. So to me, that that's what I'd be looking for is what kind of spray that's got no residual. Yeah, and then post-emerge, you got 2,4-D, you could run a low rate of dicamba, you could even mix 2,4-D and dicamba. I mean, there there are a few choices. There just are not many post-emerge for weeds. But, yeah, I'm with Darren. I'd probably, I, my first thought is Roundup plus AIM for pre-emerge. I don't have any residual. But, I, I, I mean, I, you, there, there's just nothing much you can do for millet. Okay. Uh, I had a question came in from Katie here. Uh Hi, guys. I'm really interested in attending college to major in agriculture coming up next fall. And I hear you have a scouting and scholarships event coming up. Can anyone attend? Is it only for people going to certain schools? Uh, where can I find more details? Anyone can attend. Absolutely. We're going to give away over 100 college scholarships that day. And when we say college, we mean post-secondary scholarships. So if you're going to a Votech, Technical Institute, uh, just a two-year college, four-year college, doesn't matter. Even if you're going for your master's degree, you're going for a bachelor's degree, you're going for your associate's degree, we don't care. Uh, anybody is eligible. And anybody can attend the Scouting and Scholarships. It's just you have to be, this coming fall, going to one of those post-secondary schools. Any post-secondary school, you're eligible for the scholarship. But if you just want to come and learn, that'd be great, too. Just go to agphd.com for more. Thanks for the question, and thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.